Welcome to Raw and Order Wrestling Booking Unit, the special Patreon exclusive review, old school review of WrestleMania X7, or, you know, if you know what Roman numerals mean, WrestleMania 17. I am your host, Detective Mark Smarks. I am joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm great, man. We're about to do X7. I've been hyped for this all week long. Uh, we postponed it for some people to watch, and we postponed it for some people to drink, and we postponed it for some people <laughs> to go to to go to um, study. Like school's important. Yeah. Anyway, um, and now and that's X7 was the same person. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The some people to watch was uh, was <clears throat> shall remain nameless. Me, me, and and you. Mm, um, yeah, oh, that's, and, I was all I was all there. I originally went one time where I do something on time. One time where I do something on time. Both yeah. of you on us. Honestly, it was weird. It was really weird. We figured, okay, well, Jay's going to not be on time. So let us not be on time for a change. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for uh, thank you for waiting for our untimeliness and uh, being such a good sport about it. Of course, as you can hear, we're also joined by our brother up north, our Royal Canadian Mounted Wrestling Policeman, RCMP JLB. That's me, that's me, RCMP, Justin, JLB, WrestleMania X7, boy do I love the nostalgia, and boy do I miss WWE back in those days, cause just wow, just wow guys, just wow. Yes. So, um, so a, a lot to get here, but before we even get into actually talking about the event itself, I just wanted to point out, there were I think seven matches on the card. Um, the actual card. Um, uh, no, eight matches. Excuse me. Um, well, maybe even nine. I I don't even have them numbered there out were here. Eleven right. in the whole night. Eight but matches. but but it was it was a four hour less than four hour pay per view. Um, it 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 was like the perfect length for a WrestleMania, if you ask me. It was none of this seven hour long pay per view like we have nowadays. Um, I. I was really happy with the length of it. I don't know how you guys thought, but I was, you know, like if, if we were to do a WrestleMania 35 review, even though it was only like a year ago, wasn't it 35 last year? Yeah. Um, Cause I think 36 was this year. Oh, numbers. Um, but you know, I think all told, especially including the kickoff, we're talking seven hours, right? You'd cut the kickoff. You're still over five hours for the pay-per-view itself. And it's not like we have more matches now than we had before by a whole lot, but they they let them breathe a lot more on this. So that I think that was my my overall feeling on this. I I think you guys will agree. Yeah, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, by all means. All right. Oh, sorry. Oops. <laughs> so yes, yes and no, because um, it was eight matches. It was three hours and 45 minutes, but I do, I was angry by some of the matches being perhaps shorter uh, than it should yeah, have been. I mean, there was an hour for the final two. Yes, which I didn't mind. I mean, we'll go to the, we'll get to the main event afterwards. Um, but yes, yeah, so I thought I got, but for instance, the TLC, I remember that match being much longer 
maybe I'm just having all three TLCs in my head meshed together, and I'm like, whoa. Um, but that match, that match for me was kind of short. There also was a lot of kind of garbage matches in between two. That gimmick battle royale, I feel like, was longer than a TLC match. Um, although, no, that was maybe no. short. Just no. Iron Sheet getting to the ring was longer than the TLC match. Yeah, the 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 gimmick battle royal actually wasn't all that long by itself. Uh, it's when you add all the entrances in that it was. Uh, that's where where you had the problem um, because like here, in terms of the the total length of the gimmick battle royal, it was only three minutes and fifty seconds long. Um, but considering you had entire entrances for Tugboat, One Man Gang, The Goon, Gobbledygooker, Sergeant Slaughter, Repo Man, Nikolai Volkov, Michael Hayes, uh, Kamala with Kimchi, Jim Cornette, Hillbilly Jim, Earthquake, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, Doink the Clown, the Bushwhackers, both of them, Brother Love, and the Iron Sheik. Um, the entrances were probably 15 minutes long, and then a three and a half minute or three minutes and 50 second long match. Um, so yeah, no, I and that's the it's not like we I'm not saying we had like longer matches as a whole, but the matches were allowed to breathe. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think there was any match that I was like that match could have been 20 minutes longer. Um, there also was no match uh, that I felt was too fast, you know what I mean? Or too long, really. I didn't think any of the matches ever got to the dragging to me. Um, but we'll we'll just kind of talk about it as we go along. So um, before we got to uh, WrestleMania X7, we were talking about this off camera, off mic, whatever. Um, we had the Sunday Night Heat, which back then they didn't do a kickoff show. They just did their regular Sunday night show, Sunday night heat that just led into the, the pay-per-view, but it only, it only had one match on it and it was X-Pac and Justin credible as their team X factor, which I don't know how they didn't get sued by Marvel for that. Um, versus C Blackman and grandmaster sexy. Now the important thing is this isn't included in the, the network stream at all. So, uh, we didn't get to watch this. I didn't, I didn't take a chance to look to see if Sunday Night Heat is on there so we could have watched it because it's really not important because it didn't really play into the actual storyline of the show at all. Well, I don't know. I mean, two of the people um, in the show were are directly associated with one of the wrestlers that was on Heat. Mm -hmm. But it's not like his um, effects. uh, (coughs) So... So we will go straight to the actual main card. First match of the night was the Intercontinental title match, right? It featured champion Chris Jericho um, versus, at the time, WWF Commissioner William Regal. Um, And for me, one of the surprising things uh, was just remembering that William Regal was commissioner of WWF back then, and now he's general manager for nxt effectively the same job just not the same character anymore and i just thought that was kind of blind you know 18 years later 19 years later he's still doing the same thing effectively for wwe just not wrestling and effectively is the exact word he's doing it effectively now yes 
um, I kind of talked about it. I think I talked about it a bit on the um, FBI we recorded, where uh, I think NXT is a perfect example of how they need an authority figure in main roster WWE right now. And it doesn't have to be super heel Vince. I think that's, huh? that's the problem. I, I think it just needs to be a authority right doesn't have to be yeah. an evil authority just an authority someone to be like the buck stocks here here are the rules you're going to follow these rules right but- i would say smackdown's best era was with teddy long at the helm followed by vicky guerrero at the helm and have a tag team match player player so teddy this long. this match um the storyline goes back and forth and, you know, it's it's fun to watch these and remember the storylines because I totally forgot about some of the plot beats in this. But back and forth between Chris Jericho and, and William Regal going in it. And one of the plot points before this was Chris Jericho pissing in William Regal's tea. <laughs> and I, I had forgotten that right. entirely. Mm-hmm. And they played the vignettes of it, and I was I was rolling with how the the looks on Regal's face as as he drank the tea and was like, mm, oh, "What's that?" And he smells it like, "Oh." You know. <laughs> uh, uh, and one something thing... that grass would never make television now, though, for whatever reason. And one thing I noticed, though, maybe I should mention this later, but throughout the show, their vignettes are just so much better. Their their vignettes were actually a lot better back then. So were their vignettes. Ah. This is why we waited. <laughs> this right here is exactly what we waited. Vignettes. So their vignettes, their storytelling, their recapping, rather, of just their entire storyline so much better i feel like we get that still now but it's just not nearly done as good um in this wrestlemania case though i really feel like they have to stop using limb biscuit but um i absolutely enjoyed uh the the vignettes um for sure and this one i totally forgot about william regal's i mean i remembered it obviously when it when it uh, was shown to me but yeah it just created for an awesome way to watch the match and wow, what a great match it was. Now, uh, since you brought it up, it is important to point out, because if you're going to watch this pay-per-view, be prepared to hear a lot of Limp Biscuits rolling. <laughs> uh, no, no, my way. My way, excuse yeah. me. Well, uh, yeah. But uh, you'll also hear rolling. Yeah, yeah, you'll hear rolling because of... Because of uh, Undertaker. Uh, well, American Badass. You can't really call him Undertaker. That's That's a... Travesty. You you say that, but he's billed as Undertaker for this. But anyway, so be prepared to hear a whole lot of my way. That was the official theme song of WrestleMania X7. Or 17, if you're one of those people. Apparently, I stumbled across this uh this week when doing a little bit of research for this. Apparently, there's like kind of a war of words between people on how to pronounce this. It's WrestleMania 17. No, it's WrestleMania X7. Well, the X stands for 10, so that means it's WrestleMania 10-7. Oh, Jesus, really? Which, if you pay attention to the Final Fantasy universe, there is a Final Fantasy 10-2, which is 11, because they never had 11, but it's 10-2. And then they went to 
10 to X, I think, which was actually 12. It was weird. But, so, and, wow, what a random, stupid debate. It's just 17. Um, <laughs> 17 or X up, like, it, here's the deal. I mean, I get it if you want to say, isn't 17 easier to say than X7? And you'd have a point there. Um, but this was 2001. This was marketed as X7. It was marketed as X7. Um, so, so, I guess, whatever. You know, I, it doesn't matter what... Uh, side of the ball you are on that it's Wrestlemania X7 or 17 uh, get over um, but the one thing I did want to say with this like I, I'm i not a huge Limp Bizkit fan I wasn't back then but there is something to be said about having a song for the theme of Wrestlemania that's from a legitimate top 10 I would yeah, it's it's not an up and coming band. You know, there was one that they had saliva's click click boom, and I don't remember what the pay per view was, but you knew the song. It was on the radio a lot. Uh, and that's the deal. Like uh, these more recent WrestleManias, they get and, and it's marketing. More recent pay per views as a whole. This as a whole, it's marketing. WWE's got a marketing department that'll approach. Uh, bands a and r and say hey uh you know give us money and we'll feature you uh your song on our pay-per-view yeah really what it's gone from is they don't pay royalties instead they get paid <laughs> royalties but it it is re- it was really refreshing from this standpoint to hear a song that we actually recognized for wrestlemania uh so, so here, I actually just looked this up. So, uh, WrestleMania 31 was Money and Power by Kid Inc. Never heard of it. WrestleMania 42, Rise by David Gettys. 42? Damn. Damn. 31. It's number oh. 42 on the list. So apparently oh. some of the WrestleManias had multiple Two theme songs. Okay. Um, but Rise by David Guetta and Skylar Gray for WrestleMania 31. Uh, I... I don't know if I've heard that song, but it doesn't uh, come up. WrestleMania 30, In Time by Mark Colley. Kind of know that song, so maybe. Uh, WrestleMania 30 also had Legacy by Eminem and Celebrate by Kid Rock. Neither of those are songs that I'm super familiar with, but they're at least names I recognize. The Kid Rock Celebrate. By by this point, I'd stopped listening to Kid Rock because he'd gone shot. So. Well, I kind of like this country stuff, um, but, fair but you know, going back, uh, WrestleMania 28 had uh, a whole bunch of them. Jesus, um, <laughs> Invincible by Machine Gun Kelly and Esther Dean, Wild Ones by Flo Rida. That's a nice. song that I know. Good Feeling by Flo Rida. I also know that one. Girls Gone Wild by Madonna. Don't remember that one offhand, but. I don't pay attention to Madonna. And The Memory m- Remains by Metallica. All for that. Oh, snap. That's that's Me. a big lineup of big name songs, right? Yeah. Uh, the uh, Two years earlier for WrestleMania 26, you had uh, Kevin Rudolph's I Made It, Be Yourself by Audio Slave, and Thunderstruck by ACDC. Thunderstruck is such a great wrestlemania sort of song that i'm surprised it's not on here a hundred times right <laughs> do that for every wrestlemania <laughs> yeah uh, straight up you Worms. know but, but so often they just, 
Thursday Night Thunder. Superstar by Saliva was WrestleMania <laughs> X8 the following year. Uh, okay, that's really decent, big. Mm-hmm. They also Not had Thunder. Drowning Pool that year. And then the following year, they had Limp Bizkit again. And at WrestleMania, they, they're more likely to have some of those big ones because the the bands also know that they're going to get a big pop. But um, the other pay-per-views, as of the last 10 years, really, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, who's that? <laughs> like, And you'll hear the song, you'll be like, I kind of dig it. And it'll be a genre that you listen to a lot. You know, um, if you go back, there was one with non-point and it was before non-point was big and it maybe is what put the help them get over. But, you know, (laughs) boy, (laughs) but so, I mean, in the end, uh, I don't know. I don't know if any band can really attribute, uh, income of new success by being a, uh, official song of WrestleMania. Uh, but it definitely leans some credence to already successful bands. To, and it also helps build up WrestleMania, in my opinion. So I yes. wish WWE would go back to bringing big names to be the official song of of a WrestleMania. Um, I mean, I've never rushed out to buy a song or even stream a song by someone I've heard on the recent WWE pay-per-view. I haven't been like, oh, it's I mean- Poppy. I'm going to go download that Poppy song. I, and honestly, but. I think it's a different time, though, uh, too, because before it was more long, okay, you had to go and buy the CD and so on. Yes, there was LimeWire back then still or whatever have you. Um, but Napster. it was... No, no, no. But Napster was more 99, 98, I feel. By 2001, it was more uh, LimeWire kind of deals Frost, or am i been frost wire at that point fair enough yeah or something along those lines um <laughs> but and that's the thing too it could have something to do with the fact that everything's just well one maybe they just realized nothing was going on with that maybe uh, artists are asking for way too much money or maybe just the fact that you know the whole why pay when we can get paid to promote people right. and not right. enough people are paying attention I think that's 100% the answer right there. Mm. WWE is like, we can, instead of paying money, we can get paid for it. Um, And I'm just saying that I think that's the wrong attitude. I think they need to understand that by bringing in a known big name song, it elevates WrestleMania more than WrestleMania elevates a BAM. Anyways, we will get back to actually talking about this particular WrestleMania. Um, because it's my way, my way, or the highway. Um, <laughs> so Chris Jericho wow. versus William Regal. Um, this match, I mean, did we really expect this to not be a great match? Uh, so it, it was, go ahead. Great match. Absolutely. I just find it, I'm always surprised. Um, cause I'm not a fan of William Regal as a character at all. And for some reason, every time I see him come out, I'm just kind of like, ugh, because I just hate his character. But then when he gets in the ring and he actually wrestles, I'm I'm amazed. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I like it. I do think it's within, depending on who he's wrestling, though. I think Jericho helped in this case. Like, I, I there's certain wrestlers that I find I just can't stand Regal watching. Although I know I get it. He's a great wrestler and all of that. Um, 
but in this case i thought absolutely phenomenal match i thought i was gonna just like be whatever on my phone the whole time but no i completely watched this front to end and i enjoyed myself this is probably maybe quite possibly not the match of the night but it was close up there and yeah. probably one of the best openers i've seen in the last 10 years of what the wwe has done uh for a pay-per-view definitely a better opener than we've seen in a long time um if only because it didn't fall into the the opener has to be a high intensity um flying match with people flying all over the place and spots all over the place right Okay, um, well, in, 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 and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. What? Um, yeah, imagine that. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Opener. True. True. But that was extenuating circumstances because that wasn't supposed to be the opener until Brock Lesnar was like, oh, I'm going to lose. Well, I'm not going to wait around all night to lose. Put me in the first one. Get it uh, over with. I think that was storyline. Um, reports have it that it was at Brock Lesnar's insistence. And Rollins even mentioned it uh, when they did a 24. Well, he didn't mention that specifically, but he said unforeseen circumstances had it that now we were opening up the show. And they only he only found out like an hour before kind yeah. of deal. Um, so but that was the reason. Yeah. But regardless, this was still a great opener. Went for seven minutes and 40 seconds. Um, uh, Chris Jericho retained uh, using the exposed turnbuckle that William Regal exposed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Special note, Chris Jericho was face here. Yes. Yeah. He was, he was baby face of baby faces in this match, which is funny because he pissed in William Regal's tea and he used the good guy. And that was the good guy move. Um, <laughs> but but William Regal exposed the turnbuckle, and it was Chekhov's turnbuckle. It sat there being exposed for most of the match. And then, of course, at the end, Jericho um, uh, ex uh, threw him into the exposed turnbuckle, then hit him with the lion salt and retained. Um, an important note... Because that is the first of, I want to say, six title matches of the night. And uh, that's a lot of title matches. Four, five, yep, six total title matches. And I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler right now. Uh, because I think it's important to note. Because I, if you're listening to this, you probably already watched this anyway. It is the only successful title defense of the night. Uh, oh, only. So successful title defense of the night uh now there's there's uh, extenuating circumstances uh edge and christian were not the title holders when they came for that match oh snap okay yeah the damn. dudley boys held the titles so um but seven minutes and 40 seconds of of a great match not too long not too short about perfect for the start off match right um then we move on to the six-man tag match Taz and the APA, Bradshaw and Farouk. Um, if you don't remember who the APA are, get out of your, your rock. They were one of the most dominating tag teams of the era. Um, took on Right to Censor, uh, which was the Good Father, Val Venus, and Bull Buchanan. Uh, uh, honestly, I totally forgot how annoying the Right to Censor music was. <laughs> like, 
Holy yeah. hell. I did not remember it being that annoying. Honestly, um, I forgot that we did a a music podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was indeed annoying music. Um, however, this was a very short match, and it really um, needed to be short. Um, you know, the, the, the good father, a.k.a. the godfather, uh, Val Venus, a.k.a. Val Venus, and uh, Bull Buchanan. This, of course, was they all turned good, air, air quotes good. Of course, keeping in mind, they're air quotes good because they're all about censorship, but they're bad guys, right? They are heels. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Taz and the APA were the faces going into this. Very short match that uh, basically overall just featured Taz and the APA um, destroying Dominating. right to censor. Um, there was one moment uh, where uh, they threw Taz into the ropes and he tripped on his way into the ropes and then bounced off badly. And then they tried to hit him with a move and it just looked really bad. Um, and a very rare botch segment from uh, Taz. But in the end, Bradshaw hit the clothesline from hell um, and pinned the good father. It was only, it was just less than four minutes long, the total match. Um, and, uh, you know, like I say, it had just enough time to breathe. I didn't get bored with the match, but I also didn't go away going, oh, I wish that had three more minutes. Like That's where it should end. Um, at the same time, oh, man, do I miss Bradshaw? I loved, like, just uh, those clotheslines from Hells, those power bombs. Oh, I've just brought me back to... The good old APA days, or not the, I mean, there was some pretty bad ones too. But the that acolytes almost, Bradshaw, like that was so badass. I just missed, like, I think I liked Bradshaw as APA rather than John Bradshaw Layfield. Oh, 100%. Of. Okay. Bradshaw and APA era was peak Bradshaw. Everything he did uh, after as JBL in my opinion, was downhill. Uh, God, his heel work was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was a really great, uh, for sure. His heel work was awesome, though. I wouldn't say that's his downfall, because there was some good stuff. It's just, and he had some great matches with Taker, too, when he was JBL. And Eddie Guerrero. Uh, well, I, I didn't say he was done. I said it was down. He peaked at Bradshaw APA. And everything was below that. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying that it wasn't as good as peak Bradshaw. I would suggest the reason you feel that way is because you marked out. And and uh, I would I would I would say that not marked out for him specifically, but marked out for um, character. I it was easy to like the drunk gambler party guys. The thing is, I didn't like him. I've got to be honest, at this time, I didn't enjoy the APA storylines. He wasn't one that I came to watch. But everything I saw after this did not impress me as much as Bradshaw. During. And that's and maybe that's my thing. Now, I, I, I will also... And eventually, we'll watch some pay-per-views of the Bradshaw era. I'm sure we will. But for me, this was peak Bradshaw. Uh, I will also just in a in a um, preview of a later match say I also think this was peak Kane. Um, I think I think everything leading up to this era of Kane 
um, was uphill and everything since this era was downhill. Now, it's a very slight downhill, but I don't think he that Kane, which is actually the next match, um, I don't think Kane ever was quite to the level that he was at this in terms of storyline, in terms of physique, in terms of character. This was, I think, peak Kane. So I already this was downhill Kane, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and so we'll go ahead and move on to that. The third match of the night was for the WWF Hardcore Championship, a triple threat match between current champion Raven and challengers Kane and The Big Show. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and this is one of those where, again, I think this was Pete Kane. I never enjoyed Kane as much before or after this era. This section of Kane was where I, I liked his costume better. It was the inverted colors with more black and then just red accents instead of all red with black accents. Um, his mask looked more dominating. He was in the best physical shape I've ever seen him. That was the first thing. When I saw him walking to the ring here, I was like, damn, he's freaking stacked. Um, and it's if your only experience with Kane, if you're new to WWE, and your only experience is the last three or four years of Kane towards the end, you really missed out on when he was actually the big red machine. My uh, God, that must be Kane. Yeah, because he was jacked earlier on. Um, See, and I would contest that peak Kane was Dr. Isaac Yankum. Oh. <laughs> All downhill from there. <laughs> no, obviously peak Kane was fake diesel. <laughs> oh. So you didn't think we were going to give you the entire review for free. No, 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 dear sirs. This is the sample of our review of WrestleMania X7. If you'd like to hear the full review, you can head over to patreon.com slash raw and order WBU. Become a patron and hear the entire nearly three-hour review of this epic show. WrestleMania X7, if you'd like to do that. You can sponsor us, become a patron for as little as $3 a month, get access to this, all of our future reviews, as well as a whole bunch of other perks as well. So once again, head on over to patreon.com slash raw and order WBU, become a patron and hear this entire review. Thank you.